0: The Lord's Passover is our deliverance out of slavery into freedom. The Lord's Passover is our deliverance out of slavery into freedom. Last week, we heard the voice of the creator God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. He called Moses to confront Pharaoh to allow the children of Israel, now enslaved in Egypt, to leave and to worship God. This week, we hear the preparations for the deliverance, the sacrifice of the lamb, the blood on the doorpost of all those children of Israel, the meal, and then the Lord's passing over his obedient people and judgment falling on the gods and the people Of Pharaoh. The children of Israel were delivered out of their bondage in Egypt, their slavery into freedom. Now, who doesn't remember Charlton Heston at this point? Of course, anyone who is not a very young person remembers that. At this point, he has his staff that the Lord told him to take to confront Pharaoh, and he raises his arm, and all of the waters begin to part for the children of Israel to make it into safety, into their freedom. Well, that day, the Passover was instituted. The event itself and then the commemoration, the children of Israel began to wander in the desert for 40 years. They finally arrived at Sinai and they received the law. And ultimately that law said, love God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. They took this law and covenant upon themselves with God and it wasn't very long before they broke it. And then they had to reinstitute the covenant. They got the renewal of it, and then they received the pattern of the tabernacle, the tabernacle about how to worship God. And ultimately, the story of the children of Israel is a failure, a failure of freedom. Because that freedom that they were given was not able to really help them ultimately because they continued to break the covenant. They continued to fail to love God and to love their neighbor. They continued to fall into idolatry. And it finally meant judgments at two points, with Assyria and with Babylon. And we know that that's part of the story. This Passover of the Lord... This deliverance out of slavery into freedom was a foreshadowing of something that would be the ultimate Passover. The Passover is the archetype of salvation and deliverance. And the Passover that led the children of Israel out of their bondage foreshadowed the ultimate Passover of the people of the whole world. And that's the Passover of Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. So the Lord's Passover is also included in the death and resurrection of Christ. Jesus, the, old, the incarnate God of Israel, offered to God what everyone owed. Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, offered to God his life the life that culminated in his loving God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving the neighbor, that's us. That's everyone in the whole world loving the neighbor as as his very self. And so it was a sacrifice that was offered willingly by Jesus and received and accepted by the Heavenly Father. Jesus gave God God's due. Jesus gave God what was owed by all of us by this sacrifice and offering because he's the only one who loved God and loved his neighbor. Jesus loved his neighbor so much that he took upon himself our sin and our curse, our darkness, our bondage, And took it into himself somehow and in this paschal mystery, all of that was condemned by God in the very flesh, in the very body of Jesus, says Paul. Jesus dies, enters into death in his real body and then is raised up victorious out of death and the Messiah in this ultimate paschal mystery goes from death into life, from sin into righteousness and glory, in his own flesh and in his own body. The Lord's Passover takes place during the feast of the Passover, and so there's all of these connections that overlay one another in this symbol, this archetype of the Passover. It is the deliverance from slavery into freedom, and the Greek word and the Latin word used for this is Pascha. That's why it's called the Paschal Mystery. Now, if I could change one word in the English language, as I said before, and Bob has mentioned this conundrum with Pascha many times, but if I could change one word in the English language, it would be to change Easter into Pascha. I would totally eliminate Easter from the English language, because we lose the connection between the Hebrew Pesach and the Greek and the Latin Pascha and the Paschal Mystery and Passover, because when we think of Easter, we think of a holiday, don't we? So anyway, well, I digress. Let's keep going. This Passover of the Lord in the death and resurrection of Jesus institutes a a new covenant in his blood, a new covenant, and we are brought out of sin and into righteousness in Jesus, out of the death and darkness of sin into righteousness and life in Jesus. And how does that work? Well, that works because we are placed into union with our own personal Pascha, our personal Passover, I don't know if you've ever heard that as a term for baptism, but it is a term that is used, that your baptism is your personal Passover, your personal Pascha. Why is that? Well, it's because that's how you were joined to Jesus in his death and then joined to Jesus in his resurrection, and that's how we move from death into life. We pass over along with Jesus We can see this in the words that we use for our baptismal liturgy. Listen to this. It says, We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, in this water, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit As the Messiah, the Christ, to do us, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. That's the personal Pascha, the personal Passover that each person that goes into the water and with the action of God, the Holy Spirit, we go from death to life. It continues through this water of baptism we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. And so we pass over in and with Jesus. There's another Passover that we participate in, and it is the Passover of the Eucharist. I counted up quickly. Two or three or more are gathered here today, and the Lord is in the midst of us. Hallelujah. But every Sunday we commemorate that Passover of Jesus in his death and resurrection. And what do we say? Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. We commemorate, we remember, but we also participate because we say Christ is sacrificed for us, meaning that we enter into the once and for all eternal sacrifice of Christ. Because Paul reminds us that Before the foundation of the world, before the creation, the Father knew what the cost would be, and the cost would be that the Lamb would need to be slain, even before the foundation of the world. The Paschal Lamb, Jesus, would need to be slain for there to be redemption, for sin and death to be conquered, to where freedom is would be a part of God's salvation. And so we gather today as the body of Christ for this other Passover. You can see how important this word and this archetype and the action of God in the Passover is for we Christians. As I mentioned, Jesus offered to God what all of us owe. We should today leave here even more in love with Jesus with the knowledge that Jesus gave God his due on our behalf. Sin is the failure to give God his due. A definition of sin might be the failure to love God and to love your neighbor. And all of us are guilty of that. All of us continue to be guilty of that. And that's why we say in the confession, what do we confess? I haven't loved God with all my heart, mind, and soul. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. We continue to be people that need to enter in to this new covenant where Christ continues to give God his due. That once and for all sacrifice has an application going back to the beginning until the day when the ultimate freedom arrives for us where sin and the effects of our flesh and death are no longer a part of our life. Well, we know that we uh, are people who constantly struggle to give God his due. Paul says, owe no one anything except to love them. Because if you love one another, you're fulfilling the law. So the law of God, the law of love, the law of Christ, the royal law is still in effect. We are taken out of the slavery of sin and put into freedom in order to fulfill the law, in order to do God's will, not just to do what we want, but in fact, to become who God calls us to be, to find our fulfillment, to become like Christ, who actually fulfills the law in his death and resurrection. And so we come to the place now where we know that we have to live in Christ. Our baptism places us in union with Christ, and we have to live by the power of the Spirit, or we simply cannot fulfill this law. We can't give uh, the neighbor their due because we really can't love one another in our own strength. And I'm not talking about being nice. Uh, Most of you all are nice people in general. I've known you long enough to say, yes, they're very nice people. We're not talking about being nice. We're talking about sacrificial love. We're talking about putting ourselves second and someone else first. And we uh, are in touch with ourselves when we understand that when things don't start uh, not working well for us, something inside of us can get very ugly very quickly, right? So what do we need to really love our neighbor? Well, we need Christ and the Holy Spirit. And as I was walking yesterday morning, I found a great illustration of this. Because in the front yard of where I was walking, there was a family of four out there. The little boy, about five years old, he had a lawnmower and he was mowing uh, a plastic lawnmower and I know that he thought he was doing a great job. The mom was out there and then the dad was out there too and he had an electric lawnmower uh, with a cord and uh, he was pushing the lawnmower. Well, the handle comes out quite a bit And inside the handle, there was another stabilizing bar, and a little boy was there pushing the stabilizing bar. And I mean, the little boy was about that high. Now, I know that little boy thought that he was really mowing the lawn. He wasn't thinking about the fact that his dad was really providing all of the power as they mowed that lawn. That's what we have to do. We have to simply commit our will... And allow God's power, the Holy Spirit, to flow through us in order to truly love one another. If you have problems forgiving someone, well, you have to enter into it with your will. But you have to allow God's power to come behind you to make it actually happen. And that's the way it is with the Christian life. God is really the power behind our ability To love our neighbor. We simply have to commit our will. And to begin to walk into it. But let us not think that we can do this on our own. Because we simply can't. Not agape love. Maybe being nice. But not agape love. So as we gather here today in this celebration of the Passover, the Passover of Jesus in his death and resurrection, let us receive the Holy Eucharist together to receive Christ in the spirit, that power to truly love our neighbor and therefore fulfill the, the law of God. Amen.